everyone, and welcome back to Hate Read. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. And every fortnight, one of us challenges the other to read a book that we are sure they will hate. Uh, this last fortnight, or a little bit longer, we've, we've been on a recording hiatus, um, I challenged Em to read Honeymoon by James Patterson. And Howard Ruffin. Oh, yes, and Howard Ruffin, which... I didn't really know enough about James Patterson's work to recognize what parts were written by him and which were not. So really, it didn't have any effect on me. I would suspect probably all of it was written by Howard Ruffin. Would be my... James Patterson was just there to sell it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it works at this point. I don't know how how long into the James Patterson um, empire this was. I know this was written in 2005. Mm -hmm. I don't really know when James Patterson started outsourcing all of his shit to other people. But, um, yeah, I, I yeah. would suspect he didn't really have too much to do with this, but who knows? Yeah, there was a lot of, and I'm sure we will talk about this soon, but a lot of just, like, very amateur writing, I felt mm, like, in this book, mm. which I don't know if that's fair to say as someone who has never written her own book before, but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I read a lot of them, okay? So... <laughs> First questions first, Em. Did you actually finish this wonderful novel? I did. Um, Yay. It was an adventure. Here's the thing. There were a lot of twists in this book. And this is my main complaint about this book. There were a lot of twists in this book. But most of those twists were not really twists. It was just the author choosing not to tell us something that the characters already knew. It was so fucking annoying. It was trying so so hard to be mysterious. I'm like, you're not. I read the back of the book. I know what it's about. Don't wait until 30% of the way through to reveal something about your main character. Even more than that, like there would be characters with code names or whatever, and they were characters that we already knew. And then like 20 chapters later, it'd be like, oh, the tourist who was so-and-so. Like, oh, cool. So it's not really a twist. You just didn't tell us that information. Yeah, you were trying to be mysterious about something that wasn't mysterious or even made sense in the context of this novel whatsoever. (laughs) Like, I did not understand that entire storyline. Maybe I'm the dummy. I don't know. That's what I thought, too. I was like, (laughs) am I stupid? Because, like, this is... This is a, I, I mean, like, that's kind of the perception of James Patterson novels, right? Is mm-hmm. that they are widely accessible to basically anyone in an airport who might need something to read, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm like, this can't actually be complicated. It can't be that I'm missing something. Like, it yeah. can't be that I'm, but. It can't be me. <laughs> it, I, like, I feel like it can't be me, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not getting it. And this is supposed to be something that literally everyone can get. So maybe I am the <laughs> stupid one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't know which is worse, is to not be able to understand the plot or, like, be totally, and and be aware of that fact, or, like, to be totally mystified and surprised and in love with it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Which is worse. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry if you really like James Patterson. So, it starts out with, like, a prologue, you know, one of those really annoying prologues where it's something that happens later on in the novel a big dramatic scene and they're going to show it to us now so that so that we're like into it um get hyped. so it's some character who is having stomach problems and believes that they are dying because they feel like the insides of their stomach are being burned away mm-hmm. um and they're in the bathroom and the they're like throwing up and there's someone knocking on the door and the chapter the little i guess it's a chapter ends with 
them saying like, oh, I don't know what killed me, but I know who did it. And then it goes into the book proper. Yes. From there. Which we never really are certain who that character is that's speaking at the beginning. Which I'm no, I'm pretty certain. Maybe it was first person. Was it, was it the detective? Yeah, because of or the... O'Hara? Because it's in first person? The knocking on the, the door. Because I think... Oh. I think that's the only time that that really happens. Where See, I was thinking it was the first victim. Oh, okay. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Because it's never... Like, it's... We're never given this scene again in this exact context. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what you usually do when you have one of these flash forwards is like you're very specific about it. Right. And then when you return to it later, you're like, ah, yes, I recognize this. I but. think there were, like, because I'm looking back over it now, and I think there were certain details, like the fact that they, because um, he hits his head and that comes back later. Because mm-hmm. she says like, oh, I don't think he even noticed that he hit his head. Mm, so okay. I think, I think it's the main character is mm-hmm. who this is supposed to be. Okay, so <laughs> I think. Well, they, but it's confusing. <laughs> I <laughs> my favorite part about this this first intro chapter was that the character claimed that they could feel the pain everywhere, including their fingernails. Which like, yeah, mm. that was. I don't know. Like I'm like I feel like that could have been a good description in like a better book where it's like oh it's so all consuming that they feel it even in places where you can't feel things. Uh huh. But because the rest of this book is so bad, I kind of feel like they just don't know how fingernails work. Yeah, it's just really cheesy. Right. Um, all right, so we get into the book. Uh, we're introduced to Nora, who is our main female character in this novel. She's so good. She's great, you guys. So basically, Nora is... Here's the thing. And here's the other thing. This book, a lot of it is very, very boring in order to set oh up for God. the twists. There's so much unnecessary so, detail. So much so unnecessary much. shit that no one cares about. So in order to make the twist seem twistier, it's like, oh, everything's just so normal and boring. But yeah, that effect is that like a good percentage of this book is really boring. Yes. Hey, um, what's your favorite water? Because <laughs> we get to find out in this first chapter what Nora's favorite water is. I don't is. know. I don't, I'm not very particular about my water. Yeah, a lot of it tastes exactly the same. Yeah, it all kind of tastes like <laughs> water to me. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, but uh, Nora really I guess loves I just don't have. I guess I just don't have an advanced palate like Nora does. Uh, no, yeah, she's she's very um, high class in she's a way so that we are not. She's so high class. Yeah. Uh, so Nora is married to this guy, Connor, who is... No, engaged. Oh, engaged. Sorry, you're right. The, yeah. Yes, because that happens in this first bit, is they get engaged. And it's mm-hmm. all very exciting. And she's also married to this other guy named Jeffrey, who is a famous, <laughs> a author, famous author, who is so hot and all the girls love, and uh, has tons mm-hmm. of books out. And if James Patterson had anything to do with this book, it was through the character of Jeffrey, who is a self-insert of James Patterson, I'm pretty sure. It's certainly not a self-insert of Howard Ruffin, who no one has heard of. Sorry, Howard. Sorry, Howard. (laughs) But yeah, I'm pretty sure Jeffrey is essentially James Patterson. Um, Or -hmm. how James Patterson thinks he is viewed. The the James Patterson of historical fiction. Yes, yes. I don't know about you, but I... When I think of historical fiction authors, I get all wild inside. Yeah, I'm like, mm, yes, give it mm. to me, Daddy. Uh, 
Actually, and that's the thing. I feel like most historical fiction authors that I read are women. Yeah. I guess maybe the the bar is lower for hot men in that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Jeffrey uh, is also married to Nora, although, like, not <laughs> really. They got married in, like, a different country on a whim and... In Mexico or something? Or maybe even in the Grand Caymans? I don't remember. Something like that. But So they don't have, like, an actual marriage license or anything. Yeah, they're they're only married... They're not married in the U.S. Yeah, they're, like... Question mark? Is that a thing? I don't know. (laughs) They're married in spirit? Um, (laughs) Although, I don't know. Like, as someone who is single and does occasionally go on dates like I just feel like it would be so fucking exhausting to like try to be in a relationship with these two guys and it's not like like you know Mm -hmm. like you hear about like oh you know like they have a different family in another state or whatever and it's like Mm -hmm. okay I guess that kind of work if you work out of state and you like are balancing between two very different parts of the country so you can make up the excuse of like oh this is why I'm not at home all the time is because I'm at work Mm -hmm. 20 hours away or whatever. But like these guys live within driving distance of each other. Yeah. And within driving distance of Nora, I guess, because she has a different house in New York, right? Yeah. So she has, she's basically living three lives that she has to keep track of, which she has Connor in Connecticut, I think is where he lives. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey in Boston Mm-hmm. And then her, her, what she would consider her real life with two best friends and an actual job with business contacts and stuff in New York City. Right. But her job, both of her men know about her job because her job yeah. is uh, she's an interior decorator. And that's how she met Connor. And is it how she met Jeffrey too? Yes. This is how yeah. she meets her rich husbands is yeah. by okay. decorating their houses. Decorating yes, their houses and, and then fucking them. Um, which I had to, I had to question, like, how much time is she spending with each of these men? Because that's a lot that's of my, time. Like, that's my point. I'm like, how, how are you finding time to, like, juggle all this shit? Like, you have a full-time job that you're actually apparently very good at. And you have two long-term committed relationships that are going on. And neither one suspects anything at all. And you have... Uh, for to fast forward a little bit, a mom who you visit constantly, who's in an oh yeah, uh, a facility. Like it's just like it's too much. I'm like, when do you like watch Netflix, man? Like what is, <laughs> like what is your life? When do you even have time to decorate the actual houses yeah. of the people that you are working for and not sleeping with? Right, because we meet like several of her clients. We she runs into yeah. clients out and about. She's buying stuff for this client or that client. Like she's busy with work. But then she's also got these two relationships going on. And I'm just like, even before we get yeah. to the murdering stuff, I'm like, your life is just exhausting. I don't... Why juggle multiple... Like, if, if it's your goal to be this female serial killer who doesn't have a motive that we... Right, <laughs> That we're yeah. ever told of. Again, again with these books about the killers that have bad motives. What... How am I supposed to get invested in this? She... Why would you do multiple crimes at once? Why not just take yeah. it one at a time? Like... Like, she kind of has to be having both at once because otherwise there would be, like, a six-month break in the story between husband killing one and two. Mm -hmm. But it's like, just have it all be backstory. Why does she have to be actively doing this? Yeah. 
You know, like, it's just, it's too much. Yeah. Like, tell us the story of her first husband. Because it gets totally glossed over. Right. It's just like, just like I killed my first husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why, though? And when? <laughs> and how long did it take you to plan all this? Like, <sighs> there was just, there was a lot missing and a lot of buying antique furniture that wasn't necessary to the plot. Yes. And the ridiculous thing is this book was 400 pages long. Well, not there really, was... because there was two different... Um, two different previews for other James Patterson books in the back. (laughs) So that that was probably like a good 50 pages right there. (laughs) 350 pages. Okay. 350 pages then. That is so much room to expand on any of these questions we have. And it's just like instead gives us these really detailed descriptions of like. Stuff that doesn't matter. The car Nora gets, and yeah, just like the furniture she's buying for this one-off character that we're never right. going to interact with. It's just silly. Like, yeah, it's like and I the get omelets. You're trying to bu- oh god, the omelets. <laughs> I get that you're trying to like build this character and like give her some sort of depth, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe the depth that you should be seeking is why she's murdering people instead of what type yeah. of furniture she's buying for her clients. Like, there's one of those things. They they both provide some insight to the character, but the insight one on... One is better. One is better insight, like, <laughs> and would make this book make sense. Yes. Like, she has a throwaway line at the end of the book where she's like, yes. I hate men, but never explains why. Right. Well, I think it... I think... And this is kind of... We're, we're jumping up around a lot yeah, in this sorry. story. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I think the implication is that her... Well, and that was the other thing. The stuff with her mother is so confusing. So, like, her fa- her mother killed her father in front of her when she was six years old mm-hmm. and then went to prison and then faked that she was crazy so that she could be taken out of the prison and put into a nice, cushy facility, which, A, that's not how anything works. Yeah. And, B, like... That is also not explained, why her mother killed her father. And I think the implication is supposed to be that her father was abusive. Yes. But, like, because they kind of bandy that around a little bit. But it's never, Nora never comments mm-hmm. on it. Nora never talks about her father. I actually thought at the end, when her mother gave her that note, the big twist was going to be that mm-hmm. Nora, at six years old, had killed her own father. Oh, and I see, that would have been sweet. That would have been so good, right? Yes. But that didn't happen. The note that her mother gave her was just, hey, I'm actually not crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, okay, we need, well, and we need to we talk need about to it when we get plot. there. Well, yeah, we need to put that put that on the top shelf for a second, and we'll come back to it. Because <laughs> I have some thoughts about that letter and that whole scene with the stupid nurse. Just, with Emily, the nurse? Emily, the nurse. Like, My namesake. Um, God. Okay, so... All right, so where were we? So we so, met Nora. This we is met Nora. we literally have only discussed the first chapter. Um, okay, so well, it was actually probably like the first five chapters because these chapters were really fucking short. They're like two pages like, long. There's a hundred and eleven chapters or something like it's that ridiculous. in this book, which is insane. And That's they each end on a cliffhanger. Yes, and it's which most of the cliffhangers are just not really cliffhangers. It's just you not telling. Like again, yeah, the author uh, yeah. not telling us a thing that all of the characters know. Yes. So it's very annoying. Um, God. So we meet Nora. She has two husbands. We go through some nonsense. Well, she doesn't have two husbands. She has one husband and one boy who's engaged to her. And we go through some 
stuff about her life and her trying to juggle the two of them and whatnot. And then she ends up murdering Connor uh, by feeding him an omelet. And then that gives him stomach pains. And then she gives him medicine to help the stomach pains. And then he dies. Yes. Some sort of combination of chemicals and drugs in his system that completely disappear and even from an autopsy can never be traced. That make it look like he's had a heart attack. Cardiac arrest. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens. Um, She goes into his, his bank accounts and moves some money around so that she gets the majority of his money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big point. The, uh, the Grand Cayman offshore accounts. She has one as do all of the men that she attempts to kill and rob. So they have the funeral. His sister, Elizabeth or Lizzie shows up. And at first Lizzie Mm -hmm. is very suspicious of Nora's intention. She's like, Oh, she's just trying to, she's in this for the money. She's probably going to contest the will. Nora's like, no, 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 I don't care about the money. Of course, you should have the money, all this other stuff. And Lizzie's like, oh, okay, cool. You can have mm-hmm. the furniture in the house. It's all good. Because, of course, Nora doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, care about the money that's left because she's, she's already taken the majority of it. And she's got a house and another husband Oh, yeah, and she's and got shit. like <laughs> plenty of other shit. Two other houses, actually. Right. Full of furniture. In between this, we've had this viewpoint shift chapters in for so all of this is in third person then we have a few chapters that are in third person as well but are about someone named Mm -hmm. the tourist who is involved in a situation with a briefcase someone's being held hostage over it and he gets involved in the hostage situation he ends up shooting the guy with the briefcase and he takes the briefcase and he goes and looks through the briefcase and finds a file and reads the file and there's all this stuff about money transfers and then he passes the file and the briefcase on to someone else but we don't know who he is and we don't know what the file's about but he knows that you know like this means something so Mm. he understands fully the file but he won't tell us what it is so again it's just the authors not telling us things. yeah and we don't the, this guy we're kind of led to believe that he is like not on the up and up and he is a lone wolf kind of mercenary yeah hire or gun for hire kind of guy he doesn't seem to have a support network yeah no affiliations to anyone whatsoever and literally he's just referred to as the tourist from here until the end of the book <laughs> So put a pin in that. Yep. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> Remember that. Super unnecessary detail. So then we've got that going on, and then we've got chapters that are in first person from this guy named supposedly Craig, <sighs> who supposedly is an insurance agent, but obviously something else is going on. So he's talking to his boss, Susan, who mm-hmm. about how they're going to get in, to- in contact with Nora and they're going to start this whole investigation and maybe it's an insurance investigation, but it doesn't seem like it. So Craig goes to talk to Nora. He's like, hey, all of this money um, could be yours from this life 1. insurance. $1.9 million. $1.9 million from this life insurance policy that Connor took out a month after Mm -hmm. meeting you and put you down as the beneficiary. Yes. And this was the point where I'm like, either a Nora is a fucking moron Mm -hmm. who does not deserve any money because she's a moron or (laughs) B 
Nora has the most magical vagina of anyone ever. Of course. And so it seems like that's a normal thing to do, that someone would agree to put you down as the beneficiary after dating you for a month, because that's an insane thing to do. And <laughs> believing that that happened makes you a moron, or you have to have some reason to believe that that's a thing that could happen, like having a magic vagina. Men just give millions of dollars to her all the time. I don't know. Right. Like, I'm, I'm just like... like <laughs> I, it, was, it was so stupid. It was Yeah. And it, we get these chapters from... Craig's first-person point of view. And these chapters are in first-person perspective, and so we're just being force-fed these lines that, like, Craig, you're so smart for thinking of this plot, and you were the only one that could possibly have handled this situation, and we need... And you were specifically hand-chosen to deal with Nora and figure out what's going on with Nora and seeing if this death is It's not a super genius plot. (laughs) It's all dumb. It's... It's not like why did to do this whole insurance thing? It's yes, just, like it's, why did we need to do this huge just a lot of loops sting again to give the author something to, to lie to the audience about? Yes, because of course it's eventually revealed yes. that it's not an insurance thing at all. The FBI is investigating her, which you would know if you read the back of the fucking book. It is right there right. on the back of the book, <laughs> and the author doesn't reveal it until thirty percent of the way through the story, and you're like, no shit. Sherlock. And they act like it's a big twist. And it's like, it's not, though. Yes, because (laughs) the back of the book says, like, FBI agent John O'Hara is investigating her. And Craig is claiming that he has a boss named John O'Hara that is suspicious of um, Nora Nora and and wants to do the investigation to see if this death was legitimate or whatever. Like... (laughs) So, guess what, guys? Craig is John O'Hara. Yeah, wow, surprise. And he works for the FBI. Fucking shocker. Yeah, and you know what? I think his previous, like, his list of qualifications was writing spam emails to grandmas because that is exactly what this scam is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was so, it's so dumb and, like, she's dumb for falling for it. Yeah, and there were a few times where I was like, okay, maybe Nora sees through this ploy. Like, she, yes. she's getting suspicious. She's following him and checking on his office and stuff. But, like, she just lets shit slide. She's like, no, no, he's right. He probably would have left me almost $2 million immediately after meeting me. Yes, because we'd known each other for a month, and I'm just that amazing in bed that all men yeah. <laughs> who sleep with me immediately take out life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. With me as the beneficiary for nearly $2 million. That's a normal thing. And it should be noted that Connor is not an old... He's 40. Mm. He's 40. And he already has his will set up and his estate and everything. Yeah. All of her victims are like really rich, good looking guys Mm -hmm. that are around her age. Like maybe 10 years old or so. Innovating the tax man. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just like... I don't know. I feel like that demographic isn't necessarily going to be that charmed by a woman right like like i'm like why are all of these guys ready to settle down i guess is my question <laughs> I, that yeah that's a very good question because they con at the at the time that connor proposes to what's her name they they've only known each other six months right and it's not like they met each other i don't know at a dating sort of like it, mm-hmm. a dating situation it's you know she was their interior decorator and then was just so charming and amazing which none of that is shown on page she seems yeah. fucking annoying yes she's but completely bland she's right 
Uh, but like, yeah, these guys, all of these guys just, and all of them, every guy she comes in contact with, because it's not just the ones she's married slash engaged slash murdering. Like her mm-hmm. other clients all think she's charming and delightful. Uh, her lawyer thinks like keeps staring at her boobs the entire meeting. Mm-hmm. And Craig slash John, when he first meets her, keeps talking about how good looking and attractive she is. And then of course, as things go on, Craig slash John starts fucking her. Because, yes, how could he resist her? Could he she's resist? so beautiful and perfect with her brown hair and green eyes, and she's very thin. Right, I'm like, okay, whatever. And she has no personality. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand either. She, you can't just keep saying <laughs> someone so... is charming and then not have them do anything charming on the page. Yeah, when when Connor she... proposed to her, her response was to say, "Yippee, yay! I love you so much." <laughs> And they have these, like, stupid mantras that they repeat to each other and, like... Oh, my God, I forgot about that. Everything is just so fucking cheesy. She has... everything she does. And that's the thing. Everyone in this book, none of them talk like people. None of them talk like human beings. They just... They talk like if a 12-year-old was watching Mm -hmm. a PG-13 movie, spy movie, that he knew he wasn't supposed to. And he's like, this is so cool. And then he was, like, trying to tell his friends... (laughs) The next day about this movie that it would be the type of dialogue he comes Mm -hmm. up with where it's like supposed to sound really like slick, but it just it's in situations that don't need that sort of affectation. It was like Michael Scott wrote this. Yes. (laughs) Agent Michael Scarn. It was an Agent Michael Scarn (laughs) book, you guys. That was this book. So bad. (laughs) Oh, man. And even even just like. The method of writing this book. So, again, Craig pops up. I don't know what percentage of the book he pops up in. It's um, Let me let me see real quick. I probably have it notated because it pissed well, me the, off so madly. The tourist pops up in chapter six, which is 5% of the way through the book. Mm-hmm. And Nora, Nora, Nora. It takes her, like, ten chapters just to fucking kill him. From the from the moment she walks in the, disor- in the dorm, it's like, know, I'm going to kill so him. And then ten chapters later, I was like, just fucking kill him. Just please fucking He kill raised him. the fork with the omelet towards his mouth. And then he, it's like, end of chapter. And then he set it down, and they had a conversation about, like, that's the sort of thing. It keeps being cliffhangers, but it doesn't lead anywhere. Okay, here it is. Chapter 25. Oh, my God. Two. The Insurance Man, page... Okay, this is 20% of the way through the book. We've been having, except for that prologue chapter, we've been having chapters in Mm -hmm, alternating mm -hmm. third-person point of views until this point, and all of a sudden it's in first person. It's so jarring. It is so jarring. I hated it. I I absolutely hate it. And mm. Also, they kept kept using the, the phrase, things aren't always as they appear, which is, I guess, a phrase that that Craig's dad or John's yeah. dad told him. Uh-huh. But they use it in the first section before we're introduced to Craig also, and it gets repeated so much. And it's like, things aren't always as they appear because you aren't telling us what, what things appear like. You aren't giving us all of the information. Exactly, yeah. It's, we, we have Things aren't no always as they appear because you're that. lying to me. <laughs> like, you can't just say... It's like, he went through the whole book going, but wait... <laughs> Let's wait for this more. Hold on. (laughs) I'll show you. Wait a second, it's coming. (laughs) So stupid. Oh man. And then also pretty much everything was exactly as it appeared once we had the information. Yeah. They they just he just wanted to he tried 
so hard. Whoever, whichever of these men actually wrote this book was trying so hard to surprise us. And it wasn't surprising at all. Yeah. Where the fuck are we in this? So she killed Connor and Craig shows Mm, up. And and then it's revealed that Craig is John. After they exhume Connor's body, which was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have to go through this whole fucking charade for ages before, <laughs> right. like, we, we get it. There was so much. It. Like, there was so much of this charade, but it was <sighs> where it was, they weren't telling, like, again, they weren't telling the audience exactly what was going on, but it was just, we all knew, we all knew what was happening. Yes, we're not idiots. Also, like, maybe talk to your publisher and don't put that on the back of the book if you wanted it to be yeah. that big of a surprise. Like, <sighs> they get through all this, then uh, Craig starts having a relationship with Nora and they're fucking a lot. Which and also makes no sense. Why is Nora so attracted to him? Is it because she he's leading, also leading a duplicitous life around her? That was like the only reasoning I guess, that they gave us. I guess. I think that he's just, again, just like we keep being told over and over again that Nora is mm-hmm. charming and amazing. We're supposed to, like, we've been told that John Smart is and attractive. the bee's knees. And... I guess that, but again, we don't really see that because the only thing we get from him is this dumb plan, which is Mm -hmm. dumb. Yeah, it's a very, like, unnerving amount of (laughs) devotion already from her. I think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, they're, it's almost like romance novel vibe where Mm -hmm. they see each other and they're, like, just instantly in love and are imagining a life together and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And it's like, you guys just met. You need to call, even, even if the twists that are not twisty, never twisted. Mm-hmm. If we <laughs> assume that Nora was actually just in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh-huh. a normal person uh-huh. and that Craig slash John was really an insurance man. Like this would be an insane relationship to go from having just met after mm-hmm. your fiance dies and immediately being like, I'm in love with this guy and we're going to spend our life together and maybe our, maybe I'll settle down with him. like And have kids, yeah. And have kids. Like, you need to calm down. You've known him for five minutes. Yeah. And of those five minutes, three of them were spent in New York with your real life and another minute was spent with your other husband, Jeffrey. So, mm-hmm. like, really one minute. And your mom. And, and your mom, right. So, yeah. like, 30 seconds mm-hmm. is how much time you've known this man. So, so you need to calm 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 like i don't even like it, it all comes to a head they yeah the whole, it's oh. such a mismatched plot of things happening simultaneously that it's, yes it's almost impossible to recap quickly <laughs> right so i guess the next major plot point is she and i mean we're skipping a lot of stuff but all of it doesn't matter um she goes to follow craig because she's suspicious of him or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. And finds that he has a secret family, of which we, the audience, have heard nothing about up to this point, by the way. Right. Even though we've been in John's head multiple times. Like, he's never mentioned wife or kids. So, again, it's just the author's not telling us things. Mm-hmm. It would be fine if we weren't in Craig slash John's head for a significant portion if of the book. If it stayed third person, right. it would have been fine, right. probably. Um, or finer. Not, not fine. Great, but, but, you know. Better. Yeah. She sees Craig at this house with these two little boys and this woman who she assumes is his wife. And she sees the mailbox says O'Hara, which. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Like, okay, I get it. You needed some way for her to figure this out. But Mm -hmm. who who puts their name on a mailbox still? (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, well, and especially an FBI agent. Yes. Yes. Mm. I'm like, that's an undercover FBI agent whose job is being undercover, but is also using his real name in his little... In his scam. Uh, scam. <laughs> like, what... Why did you do it? Why yeah, did you use you, your real name? You number one, literally any other name, right? <laughs> Here, I'll do. I'll do it right now. Bob Lawrence, <laughs> Timothy Olson. <laughs> it's really easy, <laughs> and then you just have to remember that one name. I mean, like, yeah, right. not I as guess easy that as was, remembering your own name. I guess that was the thing. He wasn't sure he'd be able to remember a made-up name. <laughs> Like the name that he already made up and gave to himself. That's true. That was he could like. Name why many. didn't he just? Why didn't he just use his real name as his name and then call his boss Craig whatever? <laughs> why did he need a fake name? It wasn't. This was two thousand five. It wasn't like she was gonna Facebook him. Like exactly. This is so stupid. Why did he call himself Craig? Just call yourself John O'Hara and say your boss's name Craig whatever. Oh, you dumb bitch. <laughs> this is the best. This is this is the, the cream of the crop of the FBI, though, Em. I don't think you understand. Like, he was the only one who could do this job. The only one who could do this. His instincts are always on point. On point. He never makes a mistake. It's so dumb. So she figures <laughs> out that Craig is John O'Hara, and also he's cheating on her by having a wife. And she goes full insane She goes full, on full crazy, crazy woman. Yeah. So she, her first plan is to just murder him in the way. Oh, she's also murdered Jeffrey at this point. <laughs> I forgot to mention that because Jeffrey oh, yeah. is a non-entity she, in this book. Oh yeah, there was there was no again. Why did she have to have two husbands at once to kill? No one knows because no one knows. Literally, the only just put reason, him in the backstory. Yes, and the only reason she was even with this guy was so that she could tell the nurse that she was going to get his autograph for him or something. Right. It was so uh, stupid. It was dumb. You could have taken out all the Jeffrey parts. Ever Yes. So she tries to murder John Craig by... <laughs> like, let's... That was her first, her first idea. I'll just kill him. <laughs> I'll just murder him in the way that I've murdered every other person. And now, yeah. now I think this guy is... Like, she doesn't know he's an FBI agent, but she knows he's some sort of investigator uh-huh. into this death. She doesn't think that if he ends up dying in the exact same way as the guy that they were investigating, that no one's going to be suspicious <laughs> of that. Like, come on. So many, so many heart attacks just right. going around. Like, I get, I get that, you know, she was completely separate, her life with Jeffrey and her life with Tom. Mm-hmm. So they didn't connect mm-hmm. those. But... Really? Like, you don't think that they're going to be like, huh, it's weird. This guy was investigating the death of a man who dropped dead of a heart attack in his 40s and who was involved with this woman. And then he started being involved with this woman. And then he dropped dead of a heart attack. And he was also in his 40s. So that's a little weird. But I guess it's fine. What a weird weird coincidence. coincidence. That's probably fine. And we shouldn't investigate it any further. Right. Like, what was she thinking? I don't understand. But that's her first plan is to just poison him in the same way she's poisoned all of her other husbands. Yes. So she tries, but he starts getting sick and he's like, oh, she's poisoned me. It's happening. And he goes to the bathroom, which is, I believe, the scene from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which, and here's the other flaw with her murder plans, is it's a two-step process. Yeah. So the first poison that she gives them doesn't, it doesn't make them sick enough to kill them. It just makes them sick enough to go to the bathroom and throw up a bunch. 
And then she, the, the, the second poison she administers is something similar to like a, um, what are those called? The plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Alka-Seltzer. Alka- thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, she like tricks them into drinking a glass of what is supposedly Alka-Seltzer, um, but is actually right, the second which, poison. So it's like, this is a messy two-step process. Which I don't know if about you, but personally, as like a person who has occasionally thrown up in my life, <laughs> never have I ever tried to treat it in any way. Yeah, no, so, I like, think, like, the, the throwing idea... up is, the, is treating it. Like, you're getting Yeah, I'm like, I'm getting body. rid of it. It's fine. Yeah. Don't don't put more things in me. I'm good. <laughs> well, and then plus, how is she, like, she does not have a guarantee that once they drink the Alka-Seltzer, that it's going to stay down. They're throwing up. They could right. just immediately throw that up. And then where are you going to be? Yeah. Stupid I just girl? don't. It's a bad plan. It's a, But apparently it's worked. It's worked three times. Why not Three a out of four times. Yeah. So 75%. Not bad. She tries to poison him. He doesn't take the second part of the poison. He stays in the bathroom. And he's like, I'm going to call the police or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which, why Why would he call? Why? Why? Why did he call 911 and not his fucking boss? Like, I guess because he thought 911 would get there faster. I don't know. It's stupid. Because his whole thing was, he's like, oh, the 911 operator will tell her boss who will tell my boss. I'm like, and why didn't you call your boss? Someone. Yeah, just call right. your boss and be like, she got me. And then they'll right. know exactly what's going on as opposed to calling right. 911 and having to go, hello, hello, is anyone there? And be like, hello? hey, this guy who claims he's an FBI agent is weirdly calling 911 for some reason. Yeah. Because that's the thing. He calls 911 and he's like, I'm an FBI agent and I'm with Nora Sinclair. But and, oh no. And he can't yeah. finish the and phone then, call. Like, <laughs> and then like he, Nora gets her, well at some point Nora gets her gun and shoots him. Yes. That was, that was her second murder plan is if she can't poison right. him, she will shoot, shoot him. Shoot him through the door. Which, I guess. you know, that won't look that's, suspicious. Right. A, that, that's a bad plan. And B... I don't know. You haven't murdered people by shooting them before. You probably aren't that good of a shot. Shooting them through the door is probably not mm-hmm. the best idea. But she hits him. <laughs> but she, yeah, she hits him in the shoulder or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you yeah. know. And he's Some... got a gun and he shoots back. Yeah, but she it's takes off. Dramatic. The cops show up, and then she... well, she takes off and she goes. She's like, does the city where your family lives mean anything to you? No, she, and then she, she drives away. She calls when the, like, it's after the cops have shown up that she says that. So I think she leaves and then calls Oh, him. real. I think. Let me go this look it so, up. It was so hectic. It was, it was, was a just, lot going on. I mean, it, it took her four chapters to say it, so. So she leaves. Uh-huh. And he passes out. Oh, that's right. wakes up to the smell of burning rice because they were cooking beforehand. And then the cops have shown up at that point and they're like, we don't know where she is because we don't know anything about her because you didn't give us a description. <laughs> yeah, dummy. <laughs> and then, yeah, she calls while they're in the cabin that they're at. Yeah. And uh, is like, I'm going after your family. Uh, yeah. They all go tearing <laughs> off to get to his family. So step one, try to murder the guy. <laughs> Step two, try to murder the rest of his family. No, step one, try to murder the guy. Step two, try to murder the guy in a different way than you just tried to oh, murder yeah. the guy. Because yeah, yeah. that one didn't work. <laughs> step three, make general threats about his family. Yes. Tell, tell him you know where his family lives. Yes. So they all go tearing off to protect his family, and they get there, and 
she's not there. But then mm-hmm. she calls and they put her on speakerphone and she's like, I just want you to know, Mrs. O'Hara, that your husband and I have been fucking. And like, so, that's her big so, plan. So step four, <laughs> reveal the affair. And she are at this point, she does know he's an FBI agent because he has told her. Yes. He has told like, her. You shouldn't have done that because I'm... Like, you're going to be arrested for murder. Yeah, for murdering an an FBI I mean, I guess, to be fair, it's probably a good thing that her plan wasn't actually... Because I don't think she was actually actually planning to kill his family. Mm -hmm. I think she was just, like... Wanted him to go the opposite direction. yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's probably a good idea that her big revenge scheme was ruin his marriage instead Mm -hmm. of murder his children because if she's already wanted for murder and then she murders the fbi guy's children they're gonna look for him her even harder so i guess it's not the dumbest move in the world it's just it's like if you're gonna do that why are you being petty and like calling and ruining his marriage which which it is then revealed immediately that it goes okay so she she calls it says nora hung up the room was deathly silent as I looked my wife in the eye. Actually, my ex-wife for the past two years. She shook her head. <laughs> and, literally and you wonder actually. why we got a divorce, you prick. Again, so again, this is something that the character knows and has known. Yes. But the author just hasn't bothered to tell us. So they're treating it like it's a twist. It's like, no, you just mm-hmm. didn't tell us. Like, yes. that's not a twist. We have no reason to care about this reveal whatsoever. Right, also. And, and it completely undoes, like her uh Nora's entire reaction yes. because she was like I cannot believe that he would cheat on me with his wife like cuz I think that's how she frames it in her mind is mm-hmm. like I'm being cheated on which right. okay whatever honey okay sure um she didn't like she didn't like the fact that he lied about being in a relationship already not she it wasn't the fact that he lied about who he was mm-hmm. like she was not mad like wait you're the guy that's been investigating me and giving me a hard time about this 1.9 million dollars no, it was, wait, you're married? That's what sends her off the handle. But he wasn't even really married. So, so like, if she had calmly asked him instead of immediately planning to murder him. Like, if your reaction is when someone makes you mad is to murder them, well, I guess... I guess. You might be the problem. You, yeah, you might be the bad guy. <laughs> Just, Just maybe. I don't know. Ugh. Nora runs off in hiding. They track her down. They arrest her. But then that mm-hmm. oh, and of course there's mm-hmm. a there's a um, little side story about how John gets has to go through a ethics review for sleeping with his target. Which, I guess which I don't know cares? why he told them that much. Like, well, because she announced it on the phone and oh, it was on right, speakerphone. Right, right, right. Never mind. I, and I, I am the know, dumb one. It was me. I was the stupid <laughs> one. <laughs> We know who his ex-wife is at the end of this book, so she would have told them. Again, another stupid fucking twist. Another stupid twist. Um. Um, (laughs) So he and Susan, his boss, go down to track down Nora. They find her and arrest her. And then it's revealed. Or, yeah, yeah, they they arrest her at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's revealed that Susan, his boss, is also his ex-wife. Oh, how zany. Which, again... Is a thing that the characters knew the entire time. And they just didn't tell us. Had literally no bearing on the story whatsoever. It did right, not change their relationship. It did not change the outcome of the story. It like it was just a fact. Oh, and I guess we should say they tracked her down by going and 
uh, because the nurse at her mother's yeah. So back to the um, letter thing. Hospital. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. So Olivia, the mother of Nora, writes Nora a letter mm-hmm. because I guess Nora comes to her very upset after killing. Connor or Jeffrey? I don't remember which one. After killing one of her husbands, she goes to her mother very upset and is about to reveal something terrible. She's, she says, I've done these awful things. I want to tell you about them. And then her mom has a seizure. Very conveniently time seizure. So Nora leaves that day without telling her mom anything. But she comes back another day and her mom <laughs> in this third person perspective we suddenly dive into the mom's mind and we find out that the mom has been pretending to be crazy the whole time and she uh, which we already knew because of the book thing yeah we already knew because she gets books and she reads them upside down isn't she so wacky but then we see a little bit where everyone leaves the room and she turns the book jacket upside down so she can read it right side up but everybody thinks it's upside down and she's crazy yeah which is dumb considering what is later revealed that everything in that room is monitored by cameras. Exactly. And what if she got so, her paperbacks? I don't know. So so she writes her daughter a letter saying something. We never really find out what, do we? I'm assuming it's just basically her explaining. I'm not, like, crazy, I'm not crazy, I think is what it is. Yeah, and you need to get your shit together because they record these sessions, so don't come in right. here with your drama. I don't know. That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> and she puts it in her daughter's purse, Nora's purse. Nora leaves that day after visiting with her mother, goes to talk to the nurse as she's checking or checking out, leaving. I don't signing out. That's the word I'm looking for. As she's signing out, leaves her purse behind and the purse is open. And so the nurse decides to go snooping through Nora's purse. Well, she sees the yeah, letter. She sees the letter. It's on the which, top. Okay. But I, that doesn't mean you can read it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if it was because it's like, oh, she's like criminally insane. We need to monitor all correspondence or whatever. But, I mean, I'm assuming if Olivia was smart enough to pretend to have some sort of... And, and this is what her condition is described as. is a, It's a combination of autism oh, and yeah. Alzheimer's. Yeah, that That's, line. Yeah. Was, mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, sure. right. That's the thing. So <laughs> she, you know, that that type of autism that sets in when you're in prison at the age of like forty mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. You know that that type of autism. Yeah, yeah. Late onset. What are you autism talking about? Early like, onset what? Alzheimer's. Right. Like what? <laughs> uh, what? Like I guess what why I mean, would, like, and it was it was like a conversation between two nurses. Why wouldn't they just say what the name of the condition was? I think right, they could assume right. the it's other like, one knew what it was. I'm not sure if they were saying like it is a separate condition that has a name or a separate condition and we don't know what yeah. the condition is, but its symptoms are like autism and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Or if they were literally just saying, oh yeah, she's got autism and Alzheimer's. Like, I don't know because everything in this book was so poorly written. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you would think if she was smart enough to pretend to have the autism Alzheimer's for Disease. however many years she was in jail. Yeah. She'd be smart enough to like not write on the front of the envelope to my daughter Nora from your mother Olivia. Like you right. would think it would just be a plain envelope. Which maybe it was because it doesn't say if it had details on the front. Yeah. This nurse Emily just snooped. The next time they go to see Olivia, it's with John and Yeah, they Susan. get a they get a tip off they go from to Emily. Her. Yes. 
that they have allowed Olivia to continue after after discovering the deception have allowed Olivia to continue staying at this facility as opposed to going back to prison if she agrees to cooperate in their investigation which why and this nurse has her, the power to make that decision I don't know I yeah n- no one knows she's very yeah she's Whatever. But the way that Olivia cooperates with the investigation is by allowing them to look at the box of books that Nora sent her, which has a piece of stationery in it from the hotel where she's currently staying like a dum-dum. <laughs> so that's how they find Nora. That's how they find Nora. Um, but then the FBI releases Nora because, as it turns out, all that shit with the tourist, it has been revealed at this point that the tourist is John. Da-da-da! Same person. So he's been working two cases. The file that he found was, like, it was tracking... It was surprisingly timely. It was, like, they were tracking... Yeah. ...politicians' funds. Well... Right. Well, its first phrase is they were just track. They were tra- it was because he's part of the anti-terrorist track yes. task force. So they were tracking big amounts of money moving in and out of the country, mm-hmm. like Patriot. But then stuff. John realizes it's not just general. It's specifically they're interested in politicians donating to, um, or receiving donations. Mm, yeah, from. yeah. So John uses that info to get released from the FBI on leave, but paid leave, so... Yeah, so he he gets off the hook because he knows that, and he and the FBI would be super embarrassed, and the politicians would be super embarrassed if that information got out. So he's basically blackmailing his, the FBI. Uh, and then Nora gets out because... Nora gets out because of that, because they don't want to have to put that yes. information. Because that's how they found Nora in the yeah. first place, was because of the movement of... The money between the accounts. Yes, they that don't she want did. that to so go they're to like, trial. Right. So they're like, this is very suspicious. Let's investigate it. But then once all this comes out, they're like, oh no, we can't send this to trial because then all of this will get out mm-hmm. and it will be bad. So they let Nora off the hook, but then Nora gets murdered by Connor's sister, Elizabeth, <sighs> who has been following her the entire time and wearing a wig. And that's why she didn't recognize her. And Elizabeth murders her and then leaves a note or like calls into the FBI and is like, hey, I got Nora. I got Connor, whoever's murderer. You can come pick her up at Connor's house. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, guess she's dead. And that's pretty much the book. Yeah. So that's the book. Yeah. That and she kills it. her by by spiking her Evian, which I thought was. <laughs> wow. Good thing they mentioned that at the very beginning. She wasn't going to be drinking no tap water. And good thing they mentioned that things aren't always as they appear so that we knew that that woman in the blonde wig was actually a different blonde woman. Yeah. When she took off the wig. Because that was the thing. It's like she was, they specifically said she was wearing a blonde wig, but like Liz has blonde hair. Yes. (laughs) It's just like shorter. Yeah. So So the sister, she's like popped up in like maybe two or three other chapters. Yeah. She like calls to check in on Nora and be like, oh, how's it going? And there's like a couple mentions of a blonde woman who is following her at a couple times. Like, it's not a constant threat, but I don't know. I mean, it's pretty obvious. The only other like, character she's... in the book was Lizzie, 
and they mention a blonde character following Nora around and questioning her movement. Like, but like the fact that the, it's then like she whips off a wig. Yeah, I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Wait, She's you blonde. might not recognize me with this hair, but how about the right. same hair? And then she takes off the wig and she's still like, oh, wait a second. Oh, it's Lizzie. So like she wouldn't have recognized her anyway. Yeah, which I'm pretty Ugh. sure you would because, well, whatever. So this book was dumb. Everyone in it was dumb. I hated it. None of it, yes. None of it made sense. And it, it, it suffered from the same problem that there's someone inside your house suffered from. Where it's just oh, like, yeah. the killer didn't have a very good motive. And so... Which, at least with there's someone inside your house, that and I kind of said that in this ep- that episode, like, that was supposed to be, like, a slasher thing. Like, slasher mm-hmm. killers don't always have great motives. His motive that he That's gave true. was stupid. But the motive is less important in those type of stories. This one, it's like... We spend so much time in Nora's head, not like first person, but third, first close third person. Yeah, third person close. Um, like yeah. we should have, we should be able to understand why she did this. But no, it's just like I guess just for the money. But like, I don't know. She was good at her job. Why didn't she just keep doing her job? Exactly. She, she made wasn't a ton of money from that, and she like. wasn't using the money for anything. Mm-mm. Like I thought, I thought either it was gonna turn out that she had killed her father at a young age, and like she was just always. Like, that... She's a little bit touched. Yeah, like, that caused her to, like, snap in this way or whatever. Uh-huh. Or that something was going to turn up with... Because her mom had been in this, like, private facility for years. It's like, who was paying for that? Because it's, mm-hmm. like, a nice facility. It's a good question. Yeah, so I thought that she was murdering people to pay for her mom's care. Yeah, which also like, would have been... that would have been something, at least. Yeah, a little bit something you could cling on to yeah. but no it's just like she's just like murdering people because she likes murdering people and likes money i guess i don't know i don't know yeah. i like money too but i don't murder people for it like this seems extreme <laughs> uh, maybe uh, we should start though maybe no anna <laughs> <laughs> and for the for, to be fair there is a sequel I think there's a cu- mm. I think this is the first in the series Let me i see think there's only two and it's not really a sequel about nora it's about john oh well then yeah so nothing gets explained huh no well because they weren't i don't think they were planning to make it a sequel they just kind of like wrote it and they're like oh this guy yeah so i don't know did you have anything else to say about this book um no i just went to howard howard ruffin.com his website oh yeah and it's like it's like uh it's under construction yeah and it says after a mere decade or so of procrastination HowardRuffin.com is finally being updated. In the meantime, you may continue to heap praise on him at his email address at yahoo.com. His email address is like his last name and some numbers. He couldn't even like, <laughs> and it's at yahoo.com. I have I don't have a lot of um, optimism that that is going to be updated anytime. But he soon. tried. Well, and that's the thing. I'm like, I can't really fault. He tried. It's hard to like, when you read a bad book, you kind of want to blame someone. Mm-hmm. And again, I keep saying bad book and, you know, different people prefer different types of books and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you read a book that you don't like, you kind of want to be like, oh, I don't like this author. But it's like, I don't know who to blame for this. I yeah. don't know if it's James Patterson or if it's Howard Ruffin. It's like, even if it is Howard's, mainly his writing, which I suspect it probably is, mm-hmm. how much effort are you going to put into this book that really isn't going to do that much for you? You know, like it's... Yeah. People are still going to credit James Patterson as the writer. Why would you try that hard, you know? <laughs> That's a good question. 
Yeah, I guess I don't really, I don't really know a lot about or care to know a lot about this whole like the writing world of a James book Patterson with in yeah. quotations a famous author. I mean, I think, and I think James Patterson is one of the most infamous for doing this at this point because mm-hmm. he has like I literally I was looking it up. I'm like, how many books has James Patterson actually written? Mm-hmm. And the Google response was like around 57 for how many he's actually written because nobody knows nobody knows how many books nobody knows like he's not about to tell me right to what extent he's actually overseeing this or if they're literally just slapping his name on the cover like it's it's kind of unclear and it's like he's more of a brand than a writer really at this point (laughs) he's like the thomas kincaid of authors and i mean like there are definitely whatever it's fine it's just i i mean he's He's obviously successful at what he does. He sells hundreds, millions of books. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Just lots something, of people like lots it. Lots of people like him. But I don't yeah. know. Something about the whole... Which this is kind of leading into my rather be reading for this week, which is a huge, huge stretch. But this is just what I was thinking about reading mm-hmm. um, this book. And it's yet another YA book, which should surprise no one, really, at this point. Uh, but I was thinking <laughs> about how, like, you know, he is this famous writer who did... He started off, he's writing his own books, and then he basically became a brand and, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, is using all of these other writers to increase his own brand, essentially. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's gross, and I don't really like it, but I, I can't comment on it super hard because I haven't read a lot of James Patterson branded books. This is the only James Patterson I've ever yeah, read. Yeah, and... The other author who I'm thinking of who does something similar at this point is Rick Riordan, who wrote the Percy Jackson series, yeah. where he now has a bunch of other books that are part of his like imprint, but he's not sitting there saying, like, I wrote this. He's saying, hey, yeah. this is a book about a culture that I'm not familiar with that someone from that culture is writing about, and I'm going to give it, a, like, I'm going to lift it up and let them do the talking, like, huh. which is... If you're a famous author and you want to, like, build an empire, like, I feel like that's such a better way to go about it where you're not, yeah. you're not, sla- like, people, it's, you know, like, I think the books still say, like, from the, I can't remember exactly. It, I didn't, I had no idea he was doing this. I had stopped reading. Yeah, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, like, say, like, I wrote these books. He's, like, mm-hmm. pre- it's, like, presented by. Sponsoring these Yeah, books, it's, like, presented kinda? by Rick Reardon or something like that. Okay. Let me see if I... Yeah, it's the Rick the Rick Reardon Presents okay. imprint. So it's like still it's giving other authors the credit that they deserve. He's not sitting there saying, oh, I wrote this book It's and this person helped me. He's saying like, hey, I can't talk about this situation or this mythology because it doesn't belong to me. Here's someone who can. So like... The most recent one is um, Aru Shah and the End of Time, which is by Roshani Chakshi. And I haven't read it yet, but it's been on my to-be-read list for a while. So that's going to be my rather-be-reading for okay. this week, this fortnight. Huh, I've never heard of that um, one. And it's about Hindu mythology. Ooh, that's neat. And it's supposedly really, really good. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I stopped reading him. I think I read the first Magnus Chase book, mm-hmm. and then... I yeah, don't even I'm really, know if I finished Heroes of Olympus, to be honest. Yeah, I'm pretty behind on his books. I've always really enjoyed them. They're cute. Um, they're easy to them, read, yeah. They're easy to read. Some of them are for a younger audience. But yeah, I think that the way that he uses his own fame to amplify other authors instead of using his mm-hmm. own fame to amplify his own fame is uh, pretty admirable compared to the way that 
to me, someone relatively unfamiliar with James Patterson's work, it seems that James Patterson is doing. Yeah, it's kind of like that whole conversation of like doing it for the exposure Mm -hmm. and whether or not that's really worth it or what someone's work is worth to them, that kind of... Yeah, I don't want to get too into it because I think that it's kind of a hot button topic at the moment, um, <laughs> and, including in the podcast sphere. So I don't. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's just an extension of that yeah. syndrome. Yeah. So what was your pick for your rather be reading this week? Uh, so my rather be reading is um actually a book I got from the Book of the Month Club called mm. The Last Equation of Isaac Severy by Nova Jacobs, which I chose only because of the fact that it was described as the Westing game for adults, which I love that book as a kid. I think I haven't really read it since I was a kid, but the impression that it left on me, like I have forever since then loved heist novels. Um, See, and and I generally dislike heist novels and spy novels, which Mm. is kind of why this book was a perfect pick for making me hate read, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, well, and I'm I'm only 88 pages into this book, um, and so I don't really know fully where it's going to go yet, but a um, woman named Hazel, her adopted grandfather dies, and he was a famous mathematician, mm-hmm. and after, and it looks like a um, suicide, but we're led to believe in the prologue of the book that it was, um, someone had come and done a job on him, you know, mm. so... Um, everyone else believes it to have been a suicide though, but then she gets a letter in the mail that says, you know, you need to destroy this equation that I've created and it's in this place. And it basically leads her on kind of a treasure. What is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like a scavenger hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Leads her on a scavenger hunt to, to find this equation and mm. deal with it but it's it's a little bit more literary mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of fluffy fun read so i don't know i'm really enjoying it so far we'll see how it goes cool. we'll see I if it pays off in out. the end but yeah all right um we kind of we kind of went to rather be reading which is usually one of our later ones in our little segment section here but mm-hmm. um what was something you liked about this novel <laughs> oh god um, I liked, <laughs> I don't know. I, there wasn't a lot here really that wasn't. appealed to me and I feel bad saying that. I, I, I mean, you know, I know cause I know someone does enjoy this book and yeah. that maybe people who are listening would enjoy this book. It's very easy to read. It's very exciting in some ways. That I think is probably my silver lining is that it was a quick read. Like yeah, it was really fast. I think it, I read it in like three hours yeah it was it did not take much I mean that is really damning with faint praise here that my the best thing I can say about this book is that I didn't have to invest too much time in it but like yeah it wasn't a trudge like for for some people that actually might be a good you know and I'm not Mm -hmm. not saying that shadily in any way I'm saying you know like if you're looking for something to read quickly and this is the sort of book that you might like Maybe pick up Second Honeymoon now that we've entirely spoiled Honeymoon for you. Yeah, I think it's like it's the perfect length of book for if you have a long flight or if you have a long layover, you're going to finish this book and then you can leave it in your seat pocket for the next person or something. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. So it's not a huge time investment and it passes the time. 
What phrase we have? What phrase? I do have to oh, say man. though, like it's some of the, the cliffhangers at the end of the chapters did keep me reading on no, to the next one. It no. was, I know, I, no. I was, I fell for the trick of like I just want to see where it's going, even though I knew see that's not exactly me. What the I've book was literally doing. every cliffhanger. It made me want to throw the book across the room. Yeah. If if I hadn't had to read it for this podcast, I would have stopped reading it. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. I every cliffhanger, I was just like, no, fuck you. You're not tricking me with this again. <laughs> it's annoying. Well, it's just, I thought, you know, not everything is as it seems. So maybe this is <laughs> actually going to be really good, even though it seemed really bad. God. Um, who did you relate to the most? Oh, no one. Maybe, um, maybe the guy that she, that she, so she meets this like younger businessman on the plane. Oh yeah. And he like lies to her about his career because he wanted to seem more impressive because he thought she was cute. Like, I don't know. That's something we've all done. We've all lied to make ourselves look better. And then, <laughs> but then he like fessed up. He fessed up later. He was honest about it. So he wasn't a little skeevy. Um, <laughs> I, I would vote for either Susan or Lizzie. Mm. Susan, only up until the point where she st- gets back together with John mm-hmm. because yeah before that everything before that you know she had the good sense to ju- to dump John so like I can mm-hmm. appreciate that and then Lizzie murdered Nora which is you know a thing I wanted to do so mm-hmm. which I was confused like okay so when she murdered when Lizzie murdered Nora it was implied to be the same way that she murdered the men in her life that Nora murdered mm-hmm. the men in her life but like she didn't How get did she Nora know? to drink that second. Maybe she just poisoned her. Like maybe Which it was just that was supposed poison. to be the similarity, mm. not like full on double shot poison situation. I don't know. Yeah, that that makes more sense. I'm pretty over it. Yeah, I'm never returning to this world of honeymoon and yeah, Nora no. and John O'Hare ever again. So, hooray, we did it! Yay, it's over. Um, all right. So you challenged me this fortnight, which means it is my turn to challenge you to read a book. Let me pull it up real quick. Because I obviously had a long time to think about this since we were on hiatus. Yes. I I found a couple of uh good ones I also Yeah, I've got I've got my next few planned out. (laughs) I'm very excited. Um all right. So our next book is going to be I I feel like it might be it might be enjoyable for one or both of us maybe I don't know it's just the the oh god okay so we're gonna be reading a dog's purpose no no (laughs) why (laughs) by W. Bruce Cameron no I'm already crying (laughs) (laughs) this is the (laughs) plot of this book This is the remarkable story of one endearing dog's search for his purpose over the course of several lives. More than just another charming dog story, this touches on the universal quest for an answer to life's most basic question. Why are we here? Surprised to find himself reborn as a rambunctious golden-haired puppy after a tragically short life as a stray mutt, Bailey's search for his new life's meaning leads him into the loving arms of eight-year-old Ethan, (laughs) 
During their countless adventures, Bailey joyously discovers how to be a good dog. But this life as a beloved family pet is not the end of Bailey's journey. Reborn as a puppy yet again, Bailey wonders, will he ever find his purpose? So yeah, basically dog dies a bunch of times. Yeah, dog keeps getting resurrected and then Dennis Quaid. Like, <laughs> So I'm looking forward to it. I think. Man. So, trigger warning next episode, dead dog. <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So, no. yep, that'll be our next read. If you guys want to read along, you can uh, get that book. I think that about wraps it up for this Fortnite's episode. As always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at hatereadcast. You can also email us hatereadcast at gmail.com. So, go ahead and. Email us or tweet at us if you have any suggestions for books we should read, or if you happen to be one of James Patterson's many ghostwriters and would like to comment on his stable of ghostwriters. Yeah, please tell us. Or, like, if you've ever ghostwritten in general. I'm very interested in this topic. Yeah. What's it like? Give us all this dirty secrets about... Tell us. Yeah. About Give us famous the authors. And thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. It's very good. Follow us on iTunes or wherever you guys are getting this podcast. In the words of James Patterson and or Howard Ruffin, here we go, here we go, loop-de-loop, here we go, loop-de-loop. <laughs> loop. I liked the part where the cabbie was like, just what this city needs, huh? Another vigilante on the loose. What? Is this is in this, the Marvel? Is this in Marvel? Universe? Is this like Daredevil running around? Like what's happening? <laughs>